Marines are sent to a research facility on Mars, which revealed scientists have been experimenting with something they should have left alone, something which is deadly, but not from hell. Got to emphasize that. Nonetheless, with that caveat, we are talking about 2005's Doom today, a very maligned, very maligned video game adaptation. So with that said, hello, everyone. I am Caleb Leger. I'm Connor Azagari. Welcome to a new episode of Beyond the Bad. So again, before I kind of dig into like this movie, just to, since we're a little new, we'll go into the development of this film, give out our awards, pick something that we uh, actually liked from the film in Letterboxd reviews. Um, This one's going to be a little different because uh, this is their kind of side of the coin for us and that we actually like this film, even though a lot of people hate it. Um, And, you know, it's interesting to me in that regard, because you would think what how this film got made, and I'll get into in development now, but how this film got made, like this should have been great. People should have loved it, but no, God no. It was the uh, people hate this film. I've The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, sorry, where he wants to go by. Uh, Rosemont Pike have all expressed like complete dissatisfaction with this movie and regret. Teach Stone, I'm a fan. Um, but yeah, I just, I personally don't get it. Um, before I really delve, delve more into the film, though, I kind of want to get our levels on the game that it's adapted from. Um, a lot of people know it's adapted from the super mega popular franchise that started way back in 1993, has received two reboots, or one reboot, they got a sequel that I played. And by all means, franchise is still going strong. I haven't heard anything about a new game yet, but I'm sure they're thinking of it. Um, so with that, I'll flip it on to you and uh, say, what's your experience with the games? Uh, I actually played the PC Doom on Windows 95 when I was a kid. Like I had that on my grandpa's computer, the original game. And then when they released the uh, Doom trilogy on PlayStation 3 that had the classic PC Doom 2 and then the Xbox Doom 3 adapted to PlayStation. I bought that immediately and I played through them. Um, I have not gotten to play the reboot. Uh, I just haven't gotten around to it. And uh, I've heard great things, but Doom is such a fun, unique game. It's just, you know, Doom guy versus demons from hell, giant weapons. What more do you need? And it's so easy to turn that into a movie, but like why bother making it into a movie? If you're going to, take out everything that people love about the game like demons from hell gone nameless like hero gone even the music gone like why bother making this i mean i like the movie but i get why people hate it yeah i i I get it because like look like i i played the original games and i enjoyed them admittedly i didn't get super into them but i remember enjoying them and they were like a, a mindless thing i played from time to time 
but I got hurt. I did play the reboots that they did, and I got really into those. I would sit there for fucking hours just playing Doom 2016 and then uh, Doom Eternal was the name of the sequel, but just playing both of those for hours and just like having so much fun, like this updated 3D graphics with the movement and the, you know, PS4 controls at the time because it, was, it didn't come out for five. It came out of the last generation. And um, the music, you know, that heavy metal music kicking ass. I was just like, fuck yeah. I remember when I saw this film, a buddy of mine had seen it and I kept talking real good about it. And uh, I rented it, and I, I can't remember. I was a kid. I didn't know much about the whole video game like adaptation curse. And I just watched it and went, "This is really cool." Even though, yeah, like you said, they. I was like, they changed a lot. Um, demons look oddly the same for the most part. Um, they changed the whole plot of them not being from hell, but I, there was just something about the film that clicked for me. I was like, this isn't the game in any way, shape, or form, but goddamn, I'm not having fun with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I mean, you know, The Rock, Carl Urban, Roseman Pike, Richard Brake, like these are actors with legit charisma that can kind of turn any terrible movie into a good time. And they're in full force here doing everything they can to make this palatable. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's got its moments. There's just enough cheese, but also like a lot of gore. And that first person scene is fucking cool. I mean, even if you hate the whole movie, that one bit, you're in. Oh, that one bit is so, totally worth it. Yeah. So I I don't know. This movie, I don't know if it's it's probably not a cult classic. I think this is pretty hated. Oh, it's it's hated. We're we're on an island with this one. We're, I figured, but you know what? I will die on that island. I like this movie. Nobody can tell me what to enjoy. It's all subjective. And I happen to enjoy this movie. Yeah, uh, same. I happen to enjoy it. And actually, I kind of wanted to also talk quickly. Another last point I want to bring up before we kind of go into like this film not having the most production, honestly. Um, um, you know, the video game adaptation curse I was talking about. Um, what are you like? I just want to like, what are your feelings on that? Like, what are you staying on that whole like video games can't be adapted into movies, even though recently it seems like it's been kind of broken. I mean, between the Netflix Castlevania show. Um, the song Hedgehog Success. It looks like Uncharted. That second trailer kind of impressed me a little bit more. So it looks like that might continue. Like, what what are your feelings on this whole curse, if you will? I think video games can easily be adapted to film, but the problem is that since they've started, the people who've been adapting these games never fucking played them, never knew anything about them, never bothered to adapt them in a palatable way for fans. They still, you know, like take just for up top of my head, Super Mario Brothers, 1993. They knew plumber in a green suit, plumber in a, in a green, in a red suit, green suit, uh, weird, crabby things and pipes. That's all they got. So that's what they made a movie about. <laughs> Resident Evil, you know, kind of zombies. Okay, sure. Mortal Kombat. Dudes are fighting. <laughs> but we need it for a PG-13 audience. See, they just keep fucking up these iconic games. And I honestly do think it's because nobody ever bothered to play it or care what the fans wanted until I think really Sonic the Hedgehog, when people like making that were like, let's make something that people actually want to watch. And then Mortal Kombat and then Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. And I think Uncharted is going to follow this, like uh, the 2018 Tomb Raider, same deal. So they're actually starting to care about the quality of the movie based on the quality of the game. And that's all it ever took. Just nobody bothered until recently, which is kind of amazing. Uh, so 
yeah, I think the curse is, you know, it's a man-made curse that was easily an easy fix that nobody ever bothered to try. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, I'm with you. I I feel like like I'm actually with Jefferson. I feel like with these early ones, you had a lot of people, like you said, that were coming on board that could have given two shits less about the game and were like doing it. I remember like for Assassin's Creed, for instance, because I'm a huge Assassin's Creed fan and I'm currently playing a new one. Um, you know, Fazbender admitted that he had not touched the game until he got the role for the movie. So it was like, then why? Like, I get it. They're actors. They're not going to have all this. Not every single one's going to have that familiarity. But it's almost like you you literally waited until then, and that's a pretty in-depth game series. So it's like, well, like here's the thing. I mean, if you're going to be starring in an adaptation of like you know a, a novel. Like, are you going to read the novel? Are you going to get to know the source material? It's the same deal. You know, if you're going to star in a video game movie, if you actually care about making something memorable, play the game. You know, read the book. Like, watch the old movie if you're going to star in a remake of it. You know, get to know this world you're going to be a part of. And for some reason, video games are considered less than when it comes to adaptations. Like, they don't have to or they don't care. And it's just not fair. Like, video games are an art form. They're a you know, their pop culture is significant. Like, they matter. And I think it's just, you know, incredibly inconsiderate to the legions of fans who are looking forward to seeing a film of their favorite game. Yeah, I think it's, and you hit it, it's, it, they fall into, like, where I kind of, like, see what happens, like, horror and heavy metal music all the time. It's, like, things that entertainment has deemed less than. And it's funny because video games are starting to, like, be right up there with movies that's not eclipsing them in cell revenue. I mean, they become a humongous part of pop culture. Like, people fucking love games. Games were one of the few things that were thriving still during the pandemic. I mean, because what what do you do with a game? You stay home and you fucking play it. So, of course, it's going to thrive. Obviously, they had to get through hurdles with, like, actually making said game at the office. But once they figured that out, they were able to still pump games out. Um, And I think, like you said, now what we have is... People that actually enjoy this stuff, like for example, um, new se- I'm also fresh in my mind, it's a new season, but uh, The Witcher, Henry Cavill does so great in that because he's admitted to how big of a fan he is of the games. He's played the third game, which is over 100 hours of play to beat it. <laughs> he said he's done it like three fucking times. <coughs> That's awesome. He's read all the books. Like he's a massive fan. Because of it, it shows. And same with Sonic, same with the director for Resident Evil Raccoon City. He was a massive Resident Evil fan. Yeah. So it showed in the final product. Like they're finally being sponsored saying, let's give it to people that care, that want to make this movie. I'll show. Because like I said, Netflix is really bit really hammering, taking the market on the animated TV series adaptations of this and give something that the fans can actually like, but also non-fans can sit and enjoy as well. Yeah, because it's not like, you know, these games are, you know without story or without, you know, emotional stakes or without vibrant characters, like they're all there. And all you got to do is translate, translate that to film, just like translating a book. And some people, you know, think they they're arrogant. They think they can do better. They discard the source material. They're like, I'm going to do my version. And that always sucks. (laughs) Like they never, when you think you can do better than the source material that everybody loves, you're an arrogant prick. That's just, that's my thought. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, because I think they forget that, like, look, for example, like, like a movie, I've had plenty of games that have scared the shit out of me when I'm playing, or I've, I've, I've cried 
I'm playing because like I'm emotionally invested. I'm I'm actively with a controller in my hand playing out the story on my TV or in case my switch in front of my fucking face when I have it in handheld. You know, I'm playing it and I'm doing all the action. So it's like I'm very much emotionally invested. And in a way, I really do almost care more when they do these adaptations. So I'm like, look, I spent hours playing as this character. Like, you better fucking do this adaptation justice. Take, for instance, uh, 2019, I believe, uh, God of War. Uh, the emotional journey of that game. Hmm? 2018. 2018, okay. Like, the emotional journey of that game is palpable. I mean, you feel every moment of that story. And, I, you know, I that movie, I mean, that game elicited more emotion for me than most films I've seen. And I think that, you know, if they were one day to make a movie out of that game, you would need to find somebody who really appreciates the nuances of the storytelling and the character development of that game to make a movie that works. And that applies to every video game out there. If you're going to make a movie out of it, you owe it to, to the fans and to yourself to, you know, immerse, immerse yourself to care, to be a part of this world. So you can feel that emotional connection that allows you to make a film that might not be just as good, but feels like it belongs. And we've only recently started to do that because I think the people making these movies are the guys who grew up watching these shit adaptations and are like, I know I can do better than that. So I'm glad we're there. Yeah, it, it took fucking forever. And Sonic of all, and I'm not, that's not a, a, like a diss on Sonic. I really like the movies, the movie a lot. I'm looking forward to the second one. Um, but it's amazing that that's one that finally made people go, oh, this can be good. We can do this. Um, yeah, it's thinking about stories. Um, same year as the Spider-Man game for the PS4. I remember like it legit had me on like an emotional journey at the end. I don't want to spoil it for those who haven't played, but fuck me. Like I was, when you got to the end, I was just like sitting there at the end in like a moment. I was like, oh, fuck this. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> the one that hit me the hardest so far was the Telltale Walking Dead game. Season one? The end of yeah. season one? Season oh, one. My God. <laughs> I stared the, at those credits for so long, just gutted, just... Yeah, just feeling like, what have I done? It's this crazy, like, you know, emotional connection you really don't get anywhere else. Because you are, you know, you're the driving force behind, you know, the, the choices the character makes. You feel culpable. And it's, it's an amazing feeling that games can do. Uh, and I hate when people, you know, discredit the power of video games and the significance of them in terms of, you know, uh, just on par with movies and books and stuff. It, they deserve to be counted. And I'm thinking yeah. now, nowadays they, they are more often counted. Well, I think because what's happening is I think it was a lot of perpetuation of like what parents thought and what movies kind of perpetuated, which is like, hey, you shouldn't be playing video games all day. And I'm, like, I'm not saying to like, Personally, no. If I were a kid, I'm not going to around and play video games all day. Not because I fucking hate games. I love games. I have a fucking huge stack of games I, love, I play. I was like, but just because, like, they need to do smarter stuff, too. Um, yeah. Balance. Life's all about balance. Right. It's just all about balance in that case. But, like, to sit there and, like, make it sound like you should be in trouble for hating for your kid playing video games and how dare they play video games and blah, blah, blah. It's like, who gives a shit? As long as they're having fun. As long as they're enjoying it, it's 
and like I said, I, I feel especially strong with this because like with horror films, you hear this, you know, it's the same kind of concept of like always getting looked down on by everyone like, oh, how do you like horror films? Liking heavy metal music. Oh, how would you like that kind of stuff where they're just screaming? How can you understand what they're saying? Like, I don't understand like with these three things that people just love to come in and just shit on it and just disprove our merit of it just right off the bat. Yeah. I think, you know, people love to bitch. People love to complain. People love to have a high horse. People love to play the moral high ground card. And they're the worst people. Like, I don't want to be around those people. I don't want to talk to those people. I don't want to please those people. So, you know, fuck what they think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to watch my horror movies. Let's my heavy metal music and play video games all the damn day long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so now... I feel like we've talked sufficiently about our thoughts on video games and video game curse. Something we don't get to do on this podcast quite a bit, so that was nice. But let's switch it over to uh, the film side and like how this film got made. Um, again, honestly, it didn't take. It wasn't hard. Um, they actually started. Interest started with this after the release of Doom Two. Actually, so the original Doom Two came out. And the people over at id Software were like, hey, let's try to make a movie. Like, we're going to, you know, this became a big hit. That didn't happen for a lot of reasons, including just lack of producers, poor scripts that were coming through. And then the biggest one that happened, Columbine. Yeah, that one kind of put a kibosh real quick. So they just, they waited. They, they essentially fucking waited. Doom 3 comes out. Becomes a big hit, right? I'm, I'm, even I remember my buddies talking about Doom 3 as a kid. And that's when they said, let's try it again. Presented to producers this time. They got lucky in Luenzo D. Bonaventura and John Wells. Uh, they took an interest. They took it over to Warner Brothers initially. But after 15 months of Warner Brothers just sitting on the fucking movie and not doing a damn thing with it, they said, fuck you, we're finding someone else. And they went to Universal and from there, smooth. Got a director, had a script, got it casted. They worked, you know, it's offer worked with the filmmakers. Film came out. Like, literally, it got to Universal, and everything went the way a movie should go and getting made. Just smooth, flawless. That is rare for a bad movie. Like, usually, you know, it's tumultuous. you got production interference. You've got a surly cast surly crew director doesn't want to be there somebody dies something happens but this time it was just i don't know maybe just I, it's <laughs> really it's strange it's like i said like literally the worst they had was they had a long time starting it like but once they got going it it, it got going so you would think oh this is going to be a solid adaptation right this is going to be good it's going great no it bombed it bombed horrendously and critics hated it hmm. yeah <laughs> oh. yeah i'm looking at these numbers uh the film made 58 million on a budget of about 60 to 70 million so it didn't even make its money back uh, wound up with an 18 percent rotten tomato score uh critics consensus says the fps sections are sure to please fans of the game but lacking in plot and originality to please other moviegoers. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'll give it that. That's, that's fair. I mean, this is kind of a Resident Evil clone. The movie, not the game. 
Ghost Recon game came out before Resident Evil. Uh, but the movie, I think, very much drew inspiration from the Resident Evil movie. Probably. Just, have, there's a similar vibe. Oh, definitely. Especially from the first movie. Yeah. Which is the only one I've seen. <laughs> I've, I've seen all of them, so. I know. But, um, yeah. No, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, it did not do good. Uh, Rosamund Pike and Dwayne Johnson since have, like, both publicly expressed regret over it. Dwayne Johnson more often. Rosamund Pike was, like, very, very, like, I think, like, last month or something like that. Like, very recently expressed regret. It wasn't, like, a long time ago. It was, like, a couple months ago. Um, <laughs> I want to hear something crazy. I found this in the trivia. I don't know if you saw this, but Rosamund Pike turned down a significant role in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire to do Doom. So that's that's on her. I mean, that was the fourth Potter movie. It was a it, it was a huge franchise already. Sure, fire bet. Yeah, that was like this is going to be good, and you're like, no, 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 Doom. <laughs> like that's on you, girl. Um, they wanted her to play Rita Skeeter, the asshole reporter. Oh yeah. Yeah, she, she was off of that. Actually. Yeah, she would have been good. Instead, she's like, no, I want to play the nondescript scientist in the Doom movie. <laughs> Maybe the pay was better. I, oh, something had to be better. Because um, literally, she turned it down for a film that would, like, it, it faded away. Let's just be honest. The film faded away. So for us fans that do like it and the small island that we inhabit, um, but that's what we do on this show. We go into that void and we find these movies that have been floating away for sometimes decades. Yes. And we brush right. them off. We give them a shot and we talk about it. Yes. But in this case, it didn't fade from my memory because it's sitting on my movie shelf. So I had easy access to it. Yeah. I have the Blu-ray of this as well. This was not hard to find. Yeah, no. It was, actually, I just went to my movie shelf. Um, and for those who are probably wondering that, as far as hope that this would come back, or like what what's happened since? The only thing we got was a surprise sequel that um, apparently, by all accounts, is even worse. Um, it went straight to video, straight to streaming, all that good stuff. And since that came out, I think like a year or two ago, I forgot to put the date. There's there's just been no signs, no hope of this ever getting revived cinematically. Yeah, Doom Annihilation, I think, was considered more of a reboot than a sequel. And yeah, uh, it was straight to streaming. I remember just seeing it on Netflix one day and thinking, this is probably not very good. <laughs> and uh, we decided not to watch it just because, you know, one day probably make a good, you know, follow up episode of the show. Uh, but it's weird because they're so this seems like such an easy game to adapt to a movie. <laughs> yeah. And you would think like in 2016 when the reboot came out and was a hit. I mean, that reboot was a fucking hit. There'd be talks going to be like, maybe we can try this movie thing again, or even like a TV show, just something. No, instead they just like, hey, here's just a surprise new one. <laughs> huh? God. I, it always blows my mind when these like, you know, out of nowhere sequel reboots show up. Like, wouldn't you want to put, if you're going to put effort into making a movie, wouldn't you want to try to do a good job? Like, I'll never understand this appeal to just make a shit movie on purpose. I quick but quick, quick buck. Did I say but? I said but quick buck. <laughs> I mean, the Weinsteins were famous for doing that to keep the rights to Hellraiser. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, they were just churning them out over a weekend if it meant keeping the rights to the film. But I can't imagine Universal's clamoring to hold on to the rights to Doom. I don't think they are. They got plenty of other shit on their sleeve. I, well, and really, I can't, like, I don't, this is the development hill section, boys and girls. Like, there wasn't a lot of battle with this film, but what I did want to see, I kind of want to bounce this off you. I mean, yeah. taking account, like, this was well before things like Sonic that we were talking about in Castlevania and all these other hit things, right? What do you think happened for a film that seemed to have no issues getting made? Comes out fucking tanks. Like, what, 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 what do you think happened here? <laughs> like, well, I think the primary audience of this movie was fans of the game, and they saw it opening weekend and were like, "What the fuck? This isn't my, this isn't my game. What ill? Like, what virus? What chromosome? What? They're not demons. Like, where's Doom guy? Like, where's the, where's the heavy metal music? This isn't first person." And then they told all their friends and no one saw it the second weekend. So that's what I think happened. Just not being faithful to the game. Fuck the fans. Cause those are the only people who were going to see this at least initially. Yeah. I'll say initially had they been on boards by the road, you could have gotten more people on board. No, I, that's probably what I, yeah, I think, you know, people got excited. They saw it. I think, I think some things they would have been fine with. I think not having new guy would have been fine. I think, you know, they were they did a good job in getting like Dwayne Johnson the star like at least get a bankable star, yeah. Um, because that this was when he was trying to become bankable. I know like obviously now it's a safe bet, but at that time it was early early in his career. He was still the Rock. <laughs> yeah, I think the Blu-ray says Dwayne the Rock Johnson on it, or does it say the Rock? Um, I think it just says the Rock. Stand by, I'm pulling mine out. Yeah, it says the Rock. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Uh, yeah, this was like Gridiron Gang, The Rundown, like all that was about at the same time. Um, I don't know what movie he like, tr- like tr- became Dwayne Johnson officially on. I don't it might be Get Smart. Maybe because he was like The Rock and then he went th- Dwayne The Rock Johnson during the transition period. And then it was finally Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. Who so, thought you think like back when you were watching Doom the first time, did you think this dude's going to be the highest grossing action star? of our of our time no i didn't and i i don't even i was that was when i was like this guy's good i like him for being a wrestler but i didn't think like no he'd be like one of the biggest fucking movie stars of all time like he is the the face of fucking hollywood right now <laughs> i mean it's kind of impressive face of hollywood and the face of showering yeah that's just i think that's on all of our shows now <laughs> i had to bring it up here at some point um good stuff yeah no yeah i yeah it's like that would have been fine right you don't have doom guy get fans a little mad but whatever you still have a marine squad going in which is the gist of a lot of the games um i and i i think it's what happened was they said let's just not do a portal to hell they literally had everything else had names like the uac it took place on mars like everything was there I think once fans saw that, like, hey, it's not taking place on hell, and a lot of these demons, I'm air quoting right now, look the same, and Doom, for anyone who's played Doom, especially the new ones, man, they don't look the same. Like, they are made to look fucking different, so you know what you're fighting. So I think those are the two biggest things that made people go, okay. I wanted those giant red ball demons. I wanted to see those. But I was also very thankful that they didn't just go ahead and make this full-blown PG-13. 
because that could have happened. Yeah. Look, okay. So I will say I like um I like that they stuck with the R rating. And like I said, there we mentioned them earlier, but there's a lot of people in this cast that have gone on to do really awesome things. Like I said, we got Drain the Rock Johnson, obviously. Rosamund Pike had, I mean, she was a Bond Gore. She recently got, you know, a lot, I feel like another, a good revival with uh, Gone Gore. She was, yeah, she, she got an Oscar nomination for Gone Girl. Like, there's yeah. an Oscar nominated actor in this movie. <laughs> yeah, don't forget that. Um, you have Carl Urban, who I've always been a fucking fan of. That man can fucking, he, he always commits. And if you're wearing Carl Urban, the boys, fucking Billy Butcher, like, fucking crushes it in that role. Yeah, and outside that, Lord of the Rings, Dread, uh, fucking Chron- yeah, Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah, he's he's a rock star. Carl Urban's the man. He was uh, I really liked him as the villain in Red because he played <laughs> the bad guy in Red. He was really awesome in that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he's he's yeah. a great actor. He's uh, yeah, he's one of my favorite parts of this movie. Yeah, I I fucking love him in this movie, and then obviously. Another one that's gone on to be being one of the best character actors that we have working in Hollywood, um, Richard Brake. Like, I think this was the first time I ever, he ever came to my attention. I'm not going to say he hasn't started anything before this movie, but this is when he came to my attention. And I've always loved this guy. And anytime he pops up in a Rob Zombie film, uh, me and Josh had the pleasure of meeting him at a Crypticon in Seattle. And he, he is just as cool as you probably think he is. Like, we actually spent very little time talking about talking about his uh, upcoming at the time upcoming role in Three from Hell. Um, we spent most he spent most of it asking us questions about the Navy. He was very interested in our Navy uh, life. It was pretty cool. That's great. I'm, I I love when guys, especially character actors, are cool guys. Um, and yeah, this was my first uh, experience with Richard Brake too. And since then, I, every time I see him, I'm like, it's Portman. Every time. <laughs> It's the first thought in my head when I see him in a movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was um, he played the Night King in Game of Thrones. He had a brief role in Kingsman. Like he's had some pretty good mainstream success since then. Yeah, he was in uh he played the ambulance one of the guy ambulance drivers in Halloween 2. Uh he was in famously uh not well three from hell, yeah, but also 31. He played like the best parts of that whole movie in uh Doomhead. Nice. Yeah, I have a. That's the thing I have in my room that's signed by him with a line. If there's no more room in hell, popcorn. I would have to read it again, but it's like a popcorn in hell line. I, I've only seen the film once, admittedly. It's not my most favorite Rob Zombie film. Um, but yeah, no, he's always like just been a consistently good presence. So, and it's fine too, because like in this movie, you could argue, especially for those who are a little bit more socially work, quote unquote, very problematic lines of dialogue coming out of his mouth throughout the movie but if there's something about Richard Brake's delivery that just it's, it's hard for me to not enjoy it as weird as that sounds this was 2005 admittedly you know what it's it it's not that bad like it could be worse it could be so much worse but yeah I mean I think you know I think he's pretty progressive personally I mean he wants to go Is to it? Thailand with three she boys good for him I love how he's so excited about that. I'm going to Thailand, get myself some she-boys, and I'm like, why are you so happy about this, buddy? Well, I love that he's just like, he doesn't give a fuck what people think. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to get banged by some transvestites, and you know what? Let's enjoy this. Yeah, I love when he, like, when they have to 
going to the lockdown and he's walking up to all the ladies like, hey, ladies, we're in a lockdown, so I'm just going to have to strip search you. I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> yeah, he's ridiculous. But as the movie progresses, I like that he, he starts to kind of think like this isn't right. So like what something's fucked up here. We're not doing this right. Yeah. And I love like, the, the slow burn of, you know, Sarge getting more insane over the course of the film and the rest of the men not really, you know, digging that vibe. Yeah. It's, it's a well-constructed story. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, and you could argue Portman's like the first one to actually like see it because he starts to challenge uh, Sarge throughout the movie with the no, we need to get backup, we need to get reinforcements. Like this is fucked. We don't need to be doing this. <laughs> Shoulder your fucking weapon, soldier. And he I fucks the shit out of him. Oh my I god! Argue, yeah, go ahead. I was say, I would argue the Rock did not quite know how to use his stare power in this film like he does later on in his career. Oh, he fucking, he, yeah, he eye fucks everybody in this movie. Like he, his glare is, I felt that shit. Like I don't even have a weapon, but I was willing, I was ready to shoulder it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, you need to shoulder that weapon there, buddy. Yeah. It's, I mean, he's got some ridiculous lines, but he sells them. Like the rock just has that ability to say anything and have it work. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, even when like Portman's like, the fuck? And Portman, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you can just feel the anger of like, stop talking, just enough. Yeah. Or my personal favorite, Semper Fi, motherfucker, faithful to the core. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I, you don't want to fuck with this guy. No, he's losing his mind. Oh. Yeah. Any anything else you'd like to bring up before we uh, have to in a movie that we like <laughs> pick out things that did not work so well for us in our awards? Um, I think we've done a good job accentuating the positive, and of course, you know, once we get to the silver lining, we'll go, we'll dig more into that. But it, this is a bad movie, admittedly, and it's time to to showcase why. Yes, like I said, this is this is their fun side of Beyond the Best. Us kind of talking about films that people would like hate hard, but we're like, well, we kind of like it. Yeah, our job here is to soften the hate boners. That's what we do. Yeah, unless we like hate the movie, and then we're just going to make those hate boners harder, if anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How we do that, that's up to your imagination. So have fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> The, the, the production is called Filmgasm for a reason. <laughs> so let's... <laughs> All right. Let's, yeah, let's give these awards up. Let's do it. So uh, let's do it. The first one, our Zack Snyder, the first scene. And um, I'll let you go first, buddy. Um, so this was tough because there. I actually, I like most of this movie. It was hard to find a, mo- like a scene I didn't care for. Uh, but there is one bit that I think is, it feels very forced and is only there so we can have the, the first person scene with Carl Urban. And that is Sam's out of the fucking blue explanation of how the infection is choosing its victims. That it's like weighing the soul of everyone it infects and is like, you're good, you're not, you're good, you're not. Like, come on. <laughs> really? <laughs> and it's out of nowhere and like, 
Carl Urban's got like three minutes to get her. And they decide to have this huge ass conversation in the middle of this like super timely situation. No, I, I didn't buy that. Yeah. Yeah. It, again, it's kind of like you sit there, especially if you're a fan going, and this is why it should have just been opening the gates to hell. So you're telling me that this thing chooses who's a good person, who's not. Yeah. You're going to bring the idea of a soul into this and you're still not going to take us to hell. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the biggest cock tease. That, oh, we're really honing in on the cocks right now. Um, okay, so I'm not going to lie. Like you, same thing. I, I really had issues because like, God, I, 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 I like this movie. I, I, I like it. I, I can't pick a scene. So I picked one that, to me, it kind of happens out of nowhere. There's a little bit line of dialogue and how this character feels about um, Pike's character um, with the whole like, oh shit, that's your sister type of thing. Yeah. But he's been pretty civil. And then randomly, before they have a monster attack, the scene I picked was when Duke just like hardcore starts hitting on Samantha. They're doing the autopsy and keeps like making everything sexual with her. It's just like... <laughs> There's no lead up. It just fucking happens. And it feels like they took Portman's lines <laughs> and gave them to uh, Duke here. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah, that scene was, was out of place. And her reaction is not at all the way a, like a woman would ever react to somebody being like, that's not all I have that's like big and secret or whatever the hell he said. <laughs> and she's like, yeah. No, yeah. She laughs it off like we've had this little meat key throughout the whole movie and now they're just really hammering at home and it's like no, you guys haven't done this. Like she would be totally appalled. She'd be like, what the fuck came out of your mouth? Yeah, like earlier when Duke tells uh, tells Reaper like, don't tell me you let a hot piece of ass like that get away from you. And he's like, that's my sister, dude. And he's like, no shit. Like it's just, it's built up so terribly that weird relationship. And then there's no payoff because Duke gets, you know, dragged through the through the floor <laughs> yeah he dies yeah it's it's just it's odd it's out of place i get yeah good good pick <laughs> yeah like i said it's like portman's lines they're like oh we don't have portman anymore or like he's on the scene we'll just make duke say it it's fine <laughs> yeah. um now next award wood first line our lines depending on how many you picked Yed wood um I have two. Uh, two awesome. One, one from Portman, one from Sarge. Uh, the Portman line is when they're um, they finally, if they figure out that these creatures are human, or they're about to figure it out, and they're like they don't know where it came from. And Portman, with terrible delivery, goes, "It came from somewhere, lady." <laughs> and it's just ugh, the delivery is so bad. Uh, <laughs> so that's it that one and then later on when sarge kills the kid and he just goes i need soldiers i don't need anyone else but soldiers again delivery <laughs> it's so half-assed and you're like i don't buy that this is a dude who just murdered a fellow soldier over some insubordination like i didn't buy no. it at all <laughs> with you like I, I almost actually wrote that both of those down myself because yeah I don't really buy it and like I said Richard Brake from those part like, really good in this movie but in that line I felt like even he was like I don't know how to sell this so I'm just going to just go for it 
Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, both of mine are uh, The Rock, both his lines. Um, first one was a scene we saw when he uh, we talked about shouldering the fucking weapon. Um, when Portman asked him, "Can we get reinforcements or something?" and Rock delivers the line, also half-assed to me, "We are the reinforcements." <laughs> it it felt off, and wants to be like, "No, you're not. You're the first ones they called in, so you're not the reinforcements." You can call in reinforcements. So you're even within context of the movie, you are wrong. And that could just be me being in the like, you know, military myself. I'm just being that fucking guy. I'm like, no, you're completely wrong, sir. <laughs> you're the first team. That's not reinforcements. Oh, dude, the the rock masters the dramatic pause in this movie. So many of his lines. We are the reinforcements. It's just, you need that, like, turn to the camera moment. And he does that right. so many times. It's like he's getting ready to look and wink at the camera and then go back to the character. Which kind of brings me up to my next line. In a, in a line that felt so out of place. Not because it's literally just because the movie's so serious. And this just felt so random to add to his, to his character. But it's when he gets, he's getting close to the end, he's getting pulled through the nano wall. He's gripping for dear life. And he goes, I'm not supposed to die. And then he gets pulled. And I'm like, that feels like an oddly meta thing for no reason in my super serious Doom movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you weren't, you know, franchise Viagra yet, buddy. Yeah, you're. You're still the rock, so you. This was still a time when that if you this wasn't going to work out, you're going back to wrestling. And obviously, we've seen how that happened, but yeah, the line just feels really out of place. Yeah, I'm surprised neither of us had the. Uh, his condition is irreversible, because his condition is that he's dead. I almost put that. I was watching. I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, that's bad, but. I got to laugh out of that line for some reason. I was, it was dying. Just so weirdly phrased. Yeah. His, I remember it took me a while when he said, and I've seen this a thousand times, and he's like, his condition is irreversible. I'm like, why is he saying it like that? <laughs> and he's like, he just goes up and shoots him because is that he is dead. And I'm like, all right, yeah, irreversible. Death would do it. <laughs> Yeah, there was yeah, there's some there's some shitty lines in this movie, you know. But overall, I don't think they hurt the film. No, no, if anything, I got a good laugh out of a lot of these lines. And usually they're followed up by gold and like like I said, we are the reinforcements is quickly followed up by shoulder, your fucking weapon. That's another thing the rock does. He doesn't just dramatic pause, by the way. I don't know, he overemphasized his fox as much as he could in this movie. It wasn't shoulder your fucking weapon. It was shoulder your fucking weapon. It was like, oh, Jesus. I think this might have been his, like one of his first R-rated movies because he was pretty exclusively PG-13 for a while. So I think now he finally got to be, you know, he got to swear. So he took advantage of it. Oh, yeah. That was another one. He goes, then what the fuck is that? And like, he just yells fuck <laughs> and, and then continues. I'm like, 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot, but, uh, of, a lot of good lines, but also like a lot of moments that never really get paid off. Like Goat and his like biblical thing where he's like, you know, he blasphemes and he carves a cross into his arm. Like that never went anywhere. Right. Again, it's like, it's all trying to make that quick nod to the video games because you could argue, especially in reboot, it gets oddly like religious with the whole thing. It makes sense with like the religious thing, but like it felt more like they were like, yeah, quick little Easter egg, but the way it's did, it should have gotten paid off and doesn't. Yeah. There's so much here that points to a hell draft that got rewritten. Oh my god, yes. Yeah. It, it's almost annoying, actually. Um, with that, now next one that I actually thought was kind of hard because I felt like everyone was playing here. But uh, the Steven Seagal for uh, the worst performance. Who, who was yours? I'm with you. I don't think anyone was particularly terrible in this. Um, I think a lot of people aren't trying that hard. <laughs> um, but like Carl Urban is safe uh richard brake is safe um uh, i gotta give this to the rock really i think there's just there's that's so many lines wait hmm? that's my pick also oh there you go it's just right. there's so many lines he delivers that are so forced and when he like turns evil it just doesn't feel genuine in the slightest and that that is yeah. my exact reason I put him on there. It there's like, like I said, there's the fact that like like we talked about earlier, it feels like first already films where he's like overemphasizing fuck anytime he can. Um, lots of lines where like he's like dramatically pausing to try to be like hard stuff that just they don't they feel for so they feel half ass. It just doesn't work. Um, and yeah, when he makes the change, if you take away no career is now. You can already tell, like, not in to really be like the bad guy. Like he, he, he does his best, but thanks much more a lot. Like much more mean that um, lovable big dude that we love. You know, we enjoy watching. Not trying to murder his fucking team and every civilian in the station. He's just too. He's too likable. He's too charismatic to be a bad guy. I mean, even like in other movies, like The Mummy Returns doesn't really count because it was a big ass CGI scorpion. But um, like Get Smart, okay, it, it kind of worked there. I know he's going to play Black Adam this year. Hopefully that works out. But I just don't see The Rock as a bad guy. No, it, that one is, and I know that's like, a, I know it's technically like a personal thing. Like I should be able to look past it, but it's hard just because it's like, he is so like where he is so charming and he's done it for so goddamn long that it is hard and like i said this this is and this is early rock in this movie movie career at least so yeah there's just a lot of things that made the the switch to him being a bad guy a little i do think he's legit trying you can tell in his performance that he is giving i won't, so i'm not taking that from him he's giving all i just think it, i don't think it fully works for him yeah, I'm with you on that. I almost went with Rosamund Pike, but ultimately, I just think like nobody could have played that role in a you know memorable way. It's just the character is written to be like just the 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 science 
exposition person. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't see him really making that role terrible because those brand isn't exactly great. Um, there are other characters like I didn't I kept safe because like people like uh, the Mac was one of the guys, but he's barely in it. Pinky's barely he's like can't really do much with them because they're barely in the movie. Um, like you said, I I went in going Richard Bright, Carl Urban, you two are safe. There's no way in hell I'm putting you here because you two consistently bring it. So it, yeah, this one was hard, but I just yeah, I I was with you. I was like I gotta go rock, go drain. I was like sorry, sorry, Drain Johnson, I love you. But you know what? You've you've apologized for this film. So why am I apologizing? <laughs> I I found out he kept the BFG, which is like you didn't hate this film that much, Rock. <laughs> you wanted the big fucking gun. I like when he shoots the gun for the first time and his his line delivery of oh shit. I'm like, okay. <laughs> the whole build up to the BFG was great. Just him like looking at it and just being like big fucking gun <laughs> and picking it up just being like oh shit and then just the constant i mean he never does he ever kill anything with it no you see him kill nothing with it <laughs> because you know in the game that you save that for the big fucking demons you fight mm-hmm. it's like right up there with like the you get a sword in this in doom eternal that like fucking one kills everything so it's like a limited use weapon like that sword and like the BFG are your two fucking OP. Like if you have it, use it for the big guys. And they're not in this. There's no big demons in this fucking movie. Like they're in the game, so there's like I don't see how it would be ever useful in context of the movie. The biggest thing they fight is fucking Pinky. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, <sighs> that takes us to the Michael Bay. Yes, the worst filmmaking decision. So let's see if this one's different from us. What was what was your choice? So this film isn't terrible for what they did decide to do, but making that initial decision to widely ignore the game fucked any future this film had. And that to me was the worst decision here. Keep, you know, excluding the hell elements and just trying to do their own thing. That that was the worst decision made here. Looks like we have the same things. I, I I wrote I wrote pretty much the same thing. You know, having the demons be a science experiment gone wrong, which we've seen countless times in sci-fi and horror, yeah. sci- sci-fi horror, like we've seen countless times, and just saying, yeah, the whole horror, the whole thing, and demons getting through. We're not going to worry about that. Yeah, it turned this whole thing into another kind of generic zombie movie. Right, because like I said, they they took that and then um they made people your zombies or the the monsters. We're not that quite different from each other. That it was like there wasn't a lot of that variety. And again, the idea of like an actual Doom film being like a portal to hell and people being all these different fucked up, all these different names coming out would have been so fucking awesome. I'm a sucker for that kind of story. Like, I'm a big fan of the movie um, Event Horizon when they <laughs> cross into hell because I just, I like that ideal of, um, and it could have a lot to do with the fact that I, I, you know, grew up in a very like Catholic upbringing. So that idea of like what lies on that side and what can happen when we tamper with that and hell comes to us, like that's just something that's so fascinating to me. And I want to see it in a movie. That's why when they, that's why I like the game so much. And when they said, "Now we're not going to do that," I was like, "Oh, so we're just going to do every other horror film yeah. known to man that's done this story before?" Okay. 
Well, I'd argue that especially in the early 2000s when all they had to work with were the cla- the two PC games in Doom 3, that apart from Doom Guy, the monsters are super iconic. I mean, you've got, you know, the, the soldier and then like the brown spiky guy and then the big ball and then the goat man. Like these are images that pe- like fans are familiar with. They're looking forward to seeing these things. And you didn't, you didn't let them see it. Like you cock tease the doom fans. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> it didn't even go to hell because there was no hell. And the games usually have you go to hell once a game. And also they bring up this idea that like humanity started on Mars and then found their way to earth through a portal they built. And that's just glossed over. Like that's not incredibly okay. significant to human history. That's glossed over the whole idea of like, they had these chromosomes that decide who became the monsters and who became essentially superheroes. Like, I think they even named, I think they even dropped that word at some point. They're like, so they became superheroes. And I'm like, Oh boy. All right. And like that, whether or not you become a monster or a superhero is like, whether or not at your core, you're a good person. <laughs> how, does, yeah. how does that work? How does, how do they, how does the virus calculate like the good versus the bad inside of you? How does it calculate like moral gray area? Like, yeah, like where, how much, what is how that? much do you have to do here? Like I don't give people on the street when I'm driving my money because it's awkward for me and I don't have cash on me. That's actually the main thing. But does that make me a bad person? Like am I doomed now to be like one of the monsters? And what is, what is good? Like, are we talking like, you know, traditional like Christian values or are we talking, you know, subjective good because like what i think is good you know somebody else might think is evil and vice versa How, like who who makes that decision it's I, it's such a weird way to do this it, it just does it doesn't make sense and like and yeah i think for me especially watching it now and being a little more fresh with the new games it just really stood out to me it's like why would you make that decision and especially having it software work on the game, work on the movie with you. And from, again, watching the bonus features, looking up the making of this film, a pretty good relationship. So it's like, why was this like decision made and then okay to be like, yeah, sure, that's fine. Like, I get it. You want to add things that are different in the movie, and I totally get that. But you still have like a core game and core elements like you were saying that people want. Just like if you go see a, you know, a book adaptation, right? Or the the superhero films, right? The MCU, like fans want to see certain shit. And as long as you put those things in, you're going to make them happy. I mean, look at the MCU. Their, their films are drastic, drastically different from the comics, but they make a point to put things in that they know the fans want, that they just can't not put in it because it's a big moment and they do it. And yeah. we accept it. It'd be like making an X-Men movie where like they're all aliens. Like, this isn't the X-Men. Like, it's, it looks like the X-Men, but it's not the X-Men. You know, it's if you're going to adapt something, you got to keep the core of the story or the characters or people aren't going to see this as part of that story. And that's what happened with Doom. Yeah, I, I, I do think there. I, I think we will inevitably probably have a second chance at seeing this. You're a TV show or a big screen where, like I said, we'll see. Well, um, I mean, if Mortal Kombat and Resident Evil can get a second chance, why can't do? Exactly. And I think if that does happen, we're in a lot better chance for them to be like, hey, let's do it, but this time do the fucking demons from hell. 
I still think if they, if, regardless of what happens, I think they Carl Urban should be in it. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> but as Doom guy, never taken off the helmet, just like Dread. Oh, you know he'd commit. He was so adamant about that with Dread. He's like, I'm not taking this <laughs> fucking helmet off. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. God, that would be awesome. But with that said, I know we've kind of just spent a good amount of time kind of shitting on the story here and talking about things that didn't work. But now let's do something a little bit more easy for us. The server lining. Yeah, right. See, on this episode, Beyond the Bed, this is the easy part as opposed <laughs> to being the hard part. Um, it's not going to be the usual fare. Just keep that in mind. Yeah, usually it's going to be fucking tough. I, it sounds like it's going to be really tough for the next week's movie that I'll tell you at the end. Um, for what was your silver lining, friend? I have a feeling it was yours too. I mean, that first person scene is fucking unreal. It's so um, awesome. One hundred percent mine as well. Yeah. it's like finally, like okay, now we're in Doom. Yeah, yeah. So, how, yeah. how they pull? I watched the the bonus features. On, I don't know if you watched the one on your Blu-ray, but like how they pulled this off was kind of to me impressive. Like. The things they had to take into account, because it's not a video game, it's a fucking movie. And they had to take into account, like, okay, how are we going to pull this off? And decisions say, like, you know, in, in the FPS, you see the gun in front of you all the fucking time. Yeah. Um, and this, they were like, well, we got to put it away so we can see the screen. So they did little things like that where it was put away and put up when it needed to be, um, you know, working with the different actors and voice people or some people to make sure everything was fucking lined up just right, like, it's really impressive, and there's a lot of really cool moments. The whole pinky fight in first person, yeah. that one demon that fucking jumps on the grenade, like a lot of cool moments in this sequence. Reaper grabbing the chainsaw and just like fucking up Pinky's spine. I mean, Jesus Christ. Like, this is, yeah, the amount of effort put into that one scene just about saves this thing. Oh, yeah. And even the music. I, forget, I do remember that watching this. I was like, even the music kind of like really starts to kick in on this scene. Like you could tell this was like, it, I feel like you have to be like the coldest person to not even remotely like this scene. Like I, I get it if you hate this movie, but this scene is fucking stellar. Yeah. I had a feeling we were both going to be picking this one. Uh, even people who hate this movie, they, I've seen this part, like this one scene on many lists of like great moments in terrible movies. And this is always there. <laughs> yeah, because it, it, it really is like, I like the film. And this was a fucking, the big moment for me. I always look forward to the scene anytime I watch the film. Like, all right, it's coming. Here we go. <laughs> FPS sequence. Um, I did have some runner ups in this case. because kind of figured we were going to have a, the same thing. Um, I just, so I did write two extra things in my case. I put a, I like that, in the, especially in a time when it seems like CGI is kind of like the push for everything, especially in like horror films that do not have the fucking budget and it's very noticeable. I love the use of practical effects constantly throughout the movie for like the gore and the creatures. It just it just looks good. And here, how I was watching in 22, and because it went practical, everything looked fucking great still, in my opinion. Um, and then also, I know we've said it before, I'm talking about him a lot, but I did put Richard Brake in my server lining. Just, I just fucking love that guy so much. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I don't have any runner-ups. Uh, I figured we'd be talking about this movie in a positive light the whole time, and I was right. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
This is a different one for us, but I, that's why I kind of picked it second because I was like, let's go ahead and do one that shows the other side of this, which is us actually kind of liking the movie. Yeah, good good way to start this show out. Do a shit one and then do a good one. And then going forward, it'll just kind of be back and forth. Oh, yeah. Going forward, it's going to be random as fuck. I just kind of want to get like both sides of the coin on this format taken care of just immediately. Um, speaking of format, let's move on to... I'm sure what you've been waiting for, uh, what's in the box? Or you, and I'm sure this part was actually really easy because how many people hate this movie, but you will find reactions off the letterbox, maximum five, and get me to laugh, which probably won't be hard because I feel like there's probably some good shit on (laughs) this one. What's in the box? What's in the fucking box? Okay, so I have four uh, funny ones. A lot of hate for this movie, a lot of love, surprisingly. It's sitting at about a 2.0 on the dot out of five on Letterboxd. Uh, Not great. So here are four uh, reviews of Doom. Number one, this is from Nit Atkinson. Well, apparently this happened. One star. Is that it? That's it. <laughs> so, I mean, how do you really feel, Nick? <laughs> uh, number two, this is from Krautsalot. Sometimes people use their real names, some people use goofy names. The first person scene is fun, the rest is underlit and over edited. At least half a bonus star for Richard Brake's turn as a sleazebag who dies while taking a shit. Two and a half stars. <laughs> Look, Richard Brake slowly opened the star power on this movie. <laughs> uh, number three, this is from Zara Gwen. Whoever cast Carl Urban and Rosamund Pike as brother and sister needs to get fired. Two stars. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm just, what the? I'm just saying that's what you're looking for, bud. The porn parody exists. Ugh. I feel like this would be greasy. And a lot of Portman. <laughs> the porn parody should just be Portman's R&R in Thailand with the three she-boys. <laughs> <laughs> Some porn producer just like heard that line and went, I have an idea. I'll turn the fucking movie off. I don't need to watch the rest of it. Oh, and number four, this made me laugh so hard. This is from Casey. Wow, I really spent part of my Saturday evening watching this when I could have been getting fucked up, eating burritos, or doing literally anything else. Interesting. Half a star. <laughs> getting fucked up, eating burritos, or doing anything else. That's that's his weekend. It's an interesting priority list. <laughs> I, I could have gotten fucked up. I could have ate burritos. Beyond that, I don't really know, but I could have done those two things. You put Doom on without getting fucked up or getting a burrito? Like, you can't combine all that? Yeah, yeah you, you could have done all of that. <laughs> Half a star. That's the lowest score you can give on Letterboxd. Half a star. God, he despised it. Yeah. <laughs> so, those are my four Letterboxd reviews. That's what's in the box. 
<laughs> that was that was good. I like how short and sweet they were. People, I feel like short and sweet reviews makes you really know how much people fucking hate a movie. That tends to be like with with when a movie's good, you tend to give it an essay of like, I love this. This was amazing. I love this actor. With a bad movie, people were like, this was fucked, and this is why. Like just real quick, one one to two sentences, and that's those are what I look for. Those are good. I do like. I do appreciate guys that like really, really get into like how much they hate the film. And it's almost elegant sometimes, like how they do it. I'm like, wow, you really took your time on this. Those are my the, like. Those are my holy grails. Looking going forward, I'm gonna try to find like two to three paragraph small essays about how much this fucking wasted their time. <laughs> they they are out there, and I'm gonna find them. Oh yeah, which well, is fun because like they go on about how much it, it wasted their time, but the amount of time they're writing that review, I'm like, you're kind of wasting your time writing the review. <laughs> yeah, like oh my, yeah, it's 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 great. <laughs> A lot of good stuff. So that was Doom episode two. Well done. Yes, we did it. We talked about I I you know nice fun episode where yeah people fucking hate this film Letterbox two out of five Jesus Christ. Well, both of us enjoy quite a bit. And you know what? I'm with you. I'll, I'll stand on that hill with you and <laughs> defend this film till the day I die. I know I'm definitely, we're alone on this, but I'm okay with that. Um, before I reveal what will be going on next week, good old social media stuff. So we have social medias, ladies and gentlemen. You can follow Filmgasm Productions on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to shoot us an email, you know, give us a little recommendation for this show, Filmgasm, uh, sneak pre- not sneak preview, maybe Oscar Sunday, but Austin yeah. really has like a tight thing on that. And that's not a shot at Austin. I'm, I'm actually kind of in awe of how good he is on that schedule. Yeah. I feel like you can't really take credit for recommending stuff on sneak preview. That's not really up to any of us. <laughs> no. I mean, you guys should do Scream this weekend. No shit. Honestly, I hope someone does that. I hope someone's like, like when Jackass Forever comes out, like, you guys should do Jackass Forever. Oh, you're right. Why didn't I think of that? Oh, my oh. God. God damn. I guess yeah, if you want to shout out stuff for Filmgasm or Beyond the Bad, feel free. Yeah, uh, just hit us up on filmgasm at gmail.com. Um, if you'd like to donate in any way, if you want to throw the green, you don't have to, but if you would. You can do it on Anchor. On Anchor. Um, then finally, we have a website in case anyone didn't know that. I know we do a lot of podcasts, but there you can find like reviews, trailers, articles, and literally all of our episodes that we have for the podcast. Just type in filmgasm.com and you get it all there. Um, yeah. You want to read our essays about these shitty movies? That's where you go. Oh, yeah. If you want to hear me really rant about some films, I got some good ones on there. Um, Connor's read. The ones I've seen his way, like Fantastic Four reboot, fucking The Grudge, the newest one. God, those are some solid rant sessions. That <laughs> if you want to read me really hate fucking a movie into oblivion, read my review of the 2019 re- uh, remake of Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> that that movie was so bad, I don't even want to do it on this show because that means I have to watch it again. Yeah, those yeah. some films I've done, like, gross one, those are, like, the idea of having to sit through that fucking film again. God damn it. <laughs> but there's, you know, we're going to have to make some sacrifices on this show for the sake of entertainment. <laughs> yes, yes. 
unfortunately, the way I wrote the schedule, I don't see a lot of fun episodes like this coming up anytime soon. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, so with that, I think that covers all of our social media, house cleaning stuff. Let's move over to what's going on next week. So next week, we will be discussing buy one the greatest so bad it's good for some people films the disaster piece of all disaster pieces in my opinion from what i've heard paul verhoven's showgirls oh, showgirls i've heard some crazy fucking stories about this movie um yeah this this tanked a few careers this uh it's it's rated nc17 which is going to be interesting it's basically a porno um, so we're watching essentially like a very high art porno for this podcast. Yeah. We're going to be, we're, we're doing, we're reviewing softcore porn next week for the most part. Like this is just Elizabeth Berkeley trying very hard to shed a nice girl image in the most hardcore possible way, short of selling herself for sex. So yeah, buckle up. This is, you know, the guy who gave us RoboCop and Starship Troopers. This is the weird meat in a great movie sandwich. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. It's like I even wrote it on here. It's like so notoriously bad. It's gained a following on that alone. Not like it's come around with a cult following. No, it's like so bad people just like it because of that, and it's become its own fucking entity in cinema. That's impressive. Uh, <laughs> I'm curious to find out why. I, I'll be finding out. I'm planning to uh, go deep. And showgirls this weekend. Yeah, I was planning to go deep in showgirls as well, but I guess I'll just watch this movie instead. I see what you did there. (laughs) On that note, listeners, until then, try not to be a scientist experimenting with things you shouldn't. uh, If this film or any horror film hasn't taught you that already, or for those who actually want the game plot, don't open a portal to hell. For the love of God. Do not open a portal to hell. No good happens. Uh, until then, see y'all next week on Beyond the Bed.